Check, check. Is this thing on? Are we ready to go? Hey, I am JR. This is the JR Show podcast, obviously. Quick correction. We were supposed to have a little segment called Ask the Pastors be the next episode of the JR Show podcast. But in a last second maneuver, I uh, was able to get Joel and Luke from For King and Country to be my guests. Now, one of the questions I want to ask them is on the subject of prayer. It's such an important part of the Christian faith, but yet it's such a, a mysterious part of the faith. So I want to ask them about that. Also, we're going to get an update on Luke's cattle farming. lot to get to. Here we go. Joel and Luke for King and Country, episode nine of the JR Show podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, will you please put your little paws together for uh, Joel Luke for King and Country? How are you, lads? Do you have a sample or something you can give a clap? Yeah, yeah what, what a little paws sound like. I can do like, golf clap uh, okay. in the editing. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I can do stadium, roar, whatever you like. Joel would prefer the stadium. Well, stadium a lot roar. of people, you know, they're talking about doing that for football this year, taking like the FIFA crowd noise for an actual game so it's not so eerie I've in already the empty started watching Newcastle United and it was just because they're playing moments when we would score a goal and we scored three <laughs> uh, it wasn't the instant <laughs> no it it's just about like ten, ten seconds later it was <laughs> yeah, that, that, you hear one guy the yeah. guy that scores like yippee <laughs> you know I'm like I've been in that stadium and you can't hear a thing when somebody scores yeah. that is that's not gonna work for you. We're about to do uh, a, a, a pair of um, drive-in shows. Yeah. So that's gonna be a whole new thing. Like, what do they honk their horn? Like, yeah. does someone like put his fist out the top of the sunroof? Yeah. Like, you go, guys. Like, what's that gonna be? <laughs> yeah. Like? How do you know if you're doing a good yeah. job in a drive-in? They start leaving. Show. They turn on their headlights <laughs> right. and drive out. Like, I'm, I'm over this. See, at a show, if somebody walks out, like I'm gonna try to beat the crowd and get to my car, they can sneak out. But the in car. a car. To have an exodus of headlights, you're like, uh, we got one more. Shame on that person. Maybe, that might be Shame the most disillusioning them. moment <laughs> yeah. of our career. So just, just a, just, a, we're going to keep that show real short. Cars <laughs> just do daytime leaving. shows and you yeah. won't be able to tell. At night, yeah. the headlights will be very blatant. Good point. So anyway, you're welcome. Let's lead off with a little icebreaker for the two of you. Um, let's go. Just first thought, most trouble you got in as a kid that you remember Kid being how old? Uh, like, let's go pre. Let's go twelve and under, pre-teenage. Like it was. It was probably Joel, but uh, it was me because Luke was like Jesus Christ growing up. <laughs> Except he was a. He did have a, an era of being a pathological liar. Ooh, unlike Jesus. Yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> Quick clarification. Yeah, there you go. Uh, uh, yeah, my, well, one of my one of mine was at, at twelve. Uh, in high school, I nearly got arrested for doing donuts on government property. That's one story. Yeah. The other one Bad was boy. I was riding a bike in my uh, the back yard of our house, and I guess I had not been riding a bike for uh, very long, and I rammed the uh, uh, handlebar through a guy that was working for my dad's brand new Nissan Xterra. Remember those? Oh, yeah. They were and they awesome. were awesome. And yeah. I was like, oh, what do I do? And I was just like, huh? He lied. I don't know if he's going to notice. I didn't lie. No, I did not lie. <laughs> I just, just failed to come he up. He lied yeah, by omission. I just and didn't say anything. And then it got on our little so sister. Then it got, no, wait for it. Wait for it. Then... <laughs> Uh, it was, it got, it did get pushed on to Libby, like Libby, you did this, blah, 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 blah. And she kept saying, no, 
the conversations got so extreme that she admitted to doing the crime that she didn't do. <laughs> okay, I did because, it. Because you know? everyone was like, you just have to tell us. You just need to tell us. And she You're not going to move on. Like, yeah. And so Literally. then eventually I said, I went to mom. I was like, oh, you guys talking about that, you know, the <laughs> handlebar that went through the, the light? Yeah, that was me. <laughs> and to the point my mom was so shocked that she burst out laughing. <laughs> so yeah. he dodged a bullet. Yeah. I wow. didn't dodge a bullet because I um, uh, was midnight and we were very bored, my brother Ben and a, a friend of ours uh, and myself. And we lived, uh, and my parents still do, on kind of a straightaway uh, road and it's about a 55 mile an hour zone. So we thought we'll, we'll, we'll um, start posing on the side of the road, like mannequins, just st- stupid stuff. And... Not thinking. JR is having a hard time running his head around the stupidity. (laughs) Homeschooled, you know, midnight. Don't want to get into too much trouble. So we'll stay on our property, do something to taunt the the, the drivers passing by. Well, you know, 30 minutes into it, this car came out. Gee, those headlights are bright. And then, and, and as it passes, you just saw the flash of police. Yeah. And what do you do? You run. And so naturally as a teenager, we took off. And our friend was a little bit more portly at the time and he didn't make it very far so he jumped into the ditch on the, on the side of the road. Yeah. Ben and I cleared all the way to the house or we, I jumped under a bridge and, and we yeah. were in very good shape. But because the, the cop did a, a very aggressive U-turn, came back, found our friend, your pulled port, him out. portly friend. portly friend. And then next thing you know, after being cursed out pretty abruptly by the, the officer, we were hands on our head walking up the driveway at midnight to wake my parents up with the police officer. Yeah. I remember one time I even turned around like to look at him, you know, and he was like, whoop, whoop, and like you kept, kept walking. The trouble was when you got to the house, there's a load of, of, of um, it's like a compound. We got people from Australia. You know, we had someone working, someone, yeah, living in an RV outside. Like a YWAM base. (laughs) Kind of. And there's probably 15 cars there. And this this, uh, Vivian, this lady from Australia, sort of in her elderly years, ran out in her nightgown. And, and you know, the cop sort of put his light on and she was like, do you mind? And he, she was scurried off. And then we got inside and he just sort of looked around and said, what? What's going (laughs) on here? What have I stumbled upon? Woke mum and dad up. And dad came down and we just thought we're going to get it. And all of a sudden dad and this cop just become best mates, you know, like, thank you so much for teaching my kids a lesson. I really appreciate it, officer. He's better than you, Luke. I thought you're, you're. (sighs) And um, shortly after that, Ben and I got deported to Australia by our parents for acting up. Right. True story. Oh, this wasn't in America? No, no, it no, wasn't America. We got deported to Australia from America. Oh, There were threats. If you keep acting up. Okay. We're going to send, send you, you somewhere. to our old friends who have a 25,000 acre cattle farm and you're going to do manual labor for a Ooh. month. Your sister has, Rebecca St. James, has popped back up on our playlist, which is awesome. Um, to yeah, see how do that. you feel about yeah, this? That I love it. It was, you know, being for my first crush when I was a teenager, she was uh, a faith-based music princess, one of the first pop princesses of the format. Mm. Um and now you guys have, have become top. And where the, 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 the pop princes? Uh, I would just say top billing. You know, you've become this top billing on the whole format. Is there uh-huh. competitiveness <laughs> in the family at all? Or is it, because I know there's family members that do photography and video. Everybody's involved kind of a deal. 
but has there ever been any sort of competitiveness artistically? She valiantly now she wasn't the perfect older sister by a long stretch. You know, there were when we Jonas were wants to set the record. Let, let me just think say that the princess <laughs> yeah. was perfect. Let me right? just say this. You know, when we were young, young, she was kind of the third parent, and so when yeah. mum and dad would go away, she, she we had this system with a. a a piece of paper on the the wall and and it had our names and if you got a tick against your name or a certain amount of ticks it would result in you getting disciplined by mum and dad and Rebecca was always the one in the corner when you were getting disciplined just crossed arms (laughs) scowling pure judgement shaking her head but crossing over to music I don't think I mean Luke correct me if I'm wrong but I've never I've only ever felt support and um deep cheering on from her every step of the way i mean for king country is a legacy band of rebecca really in the end and she was the first one to put us on stage with her both as background vocals and then when we started doing music ourselves we played women's conferences and we would like the two token guys at the conferences and so now to actually come back around and in this really strange flip-flop be able to like champion her as she sort of comes back through yeah. the door of music as brothers. Luke wrote on the project, you know, she'll send me artwork stuff. I guess I'm the artwork guy. Yeah. Um, and and it's just, she played me some of the, the, the record a few days ago and it's just been really cool to be able to, in this form, kind of be like, right. let's, let's go. This is awesome. Yeah. Can we please get a cow uh, raising cattle update from you <laughs> and uh at what process is joel like how interested is your brother in your new my new project? venture yeah my new venture. with raising cattle <laughs> i will say it's been hilarious because uh we uh we've talked about cattle and the dream of one day having some cows and what's funny is, is I guess this happens a lot, and, and that is when you have a dream, most people go, yeah, cool dream, you're never going to do it. Right. And, and I've had people come up to me going, hey, congratulations for actually saying you were going to do something yeah. and, and actually doing it. And so, yes, we have five uh, head of cattle, uh, three cows, and we have two calves. One is pregnant with a, uh, a another cow. We don't know if it's a boy or girl. Yet, oh, obviously. they're pregnant with a cow. Not yeah. <laughs> yeah, another cow. We just don't know if it's a boy or girl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Know, yeah. Cookies and cream. Cookies or, and cream. Yeah. You got well it. That's right. That's and right. And Luke has the long gloves to deliver. You see, the, the, and as far as Joel's interest, Joel's <laughs> interest, I think, is is more from afar. Yeah. I think he's very intrigued by the idea of... Let me know when to eat. Yeah, <laughs> let well, me know when look, to eat. This, this is almost... <laughs> Luke's cattle venture has almost eclipsed music for us as far as popularity. It's the only thing like, we, we talk just, about. People ask me about this in every the interview. They are, they're so flabbergasted by the and fact that I, I have just, cows. I think the, the strangest <laughs> thing for me is who actually... And Now, if this is your dream, fair enough to you. It's my brother's dream, in fact. Yeah. But who actually, I love dreams. This is very you know? hurtful. Yeah. But who actually sits back and go, my great dream in this yeah. life. That's so hurtful. Is to have a cow. <laughs> no, there are so many in people in North and South Dakota that hate you right now. <laughs> no, we're well, the there. cattle farmers, they're making a livelihood, but that's yeah. a, set that aside. But like my thing, like yeah. Yeah, I'm look. not going to go on a trip to Australia or in, like I want a cow. <laughs> yeah. No, I want a cow. That, that is just true. I, and I think I wanted cows because... Um, everything that we do in life is so not tangible. Yeah. You know, it's so, you write a song, you hope it's good. 
you know, you hope people enjoy it. You hope people feel encouraged and spurred on by it, but you don't really know until you release it. Right. Um, you know, you go do a show and you see people there, but you don't know if what you said, you don't know if what you sung really actually conveyed something of, of, of actual importance. You hope. Yeah. But there's something about cows that actually feels yeah. very you tangible. Feed them, you feed them. You, th- you raise them. You raise them. You, you take eat them. them to the butcher. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is, it's, it has a lot to do with my kids. My oldest boy, particularly, yeah. is very. I mean, he drives the UTV now at seven everywhere yeah. he goes, and he does it himself. He's a very good driver, yeah. and he just thinks it's amazing to raise cattle. He, and and everybody keeps coming to me saying. Oh, what are you going to do when cookies yeah. disappears and all that sort of stuff? <laughs> I have my kids. I don't know if this is the, you know, the right thing to say on radio, I but it. I have my kids coming up and saying, hey, so dad, so do we shoot cookies today? Or well, what, you know, when do we do that? How, how long do we wait? You didn't even have so, to have that talk. I, right. Apparently not. These, they're pretty ruthless little kids. So they're, he's ready to be a farmer, you know? <laughs> I'm picturing Joel in like a year another radio station in the country another cow question he's like why did i get into this yeah exactly. what have why we you become just, you know what, Jack, i'll leave you <laughs> yeah. just interview luke we are now the band <laughs> we're the cow band yeah we're the cow well, apparently we are right now for, with jr for cows and country <laughs> this is going to be a great shift right here uh a lot of the interviews i've been doing this this season um i want to kind of ask you guys um just a personal question about the subject of prayer, um, because mm. it is such an instrumental part of the the journey for a believer. But yet, a lot of us don't know very much about it. Like, I was a little kid praying out of just you. It's like not brushing your teeth. If you didn't brush your teeth in the morning, you kind of yeah. throughout mm-hmm. the day you're like, oh, I didn't do that. I had to. prayer was like that for me. If I didn't yeah. do it, there was something missing from the day of a guilt standpoint. Now at the age of 43, if I don't have conversations throughout the day, I feel it from another angle. And it's not guilt. It's, oh my gosh, I need some, but I don't know. I only know what I've gone through to learn about it. And it's not a bunch, but I absorb from people. A Matt Redman will say something about prayer that I'm like, oh, that's now tattooed to me. Um, And so you pick up these little bits of knowledge, whether it's a Timothy Keller book or something that Mm -hmm. you... So I guess what I'm asking is, is there one or two things on that very difficult, difficult, you're talking to a God you can't see or hear, but yet it's such an important part of the faith. Yeah. So what have you picked up along your journey on the subject? There Ask certainly me. is a, a deconstruction, I think, for a lot of us that needs to happen, right? In that, say your say nightly prayers, and, and look, I think it's a very well-intentioned notion, you know, Start the day off in prayer, last thing, just pray. But, man, humans, we love our our patterns and our sort of habits. And if that's what it becomes, I think structure. That's a great word. Yeah. Um, I've I've come to this place, and I should say I'm coming to this place in all of this, of, of asking myself the question, what is actually the kingdom of God and what does it mean for the kingdom of God to come to earth and, and actually taste it now because that was sort of the promise was uh, you know I'm going to introduce you to a new way of life and give you the Holy Spirit as a companion so that you can not maybe in its fullness but you can taste the kingdom of God kind of coming to earth it's it's because I was similarly 
think of it as this, oh, when you die, you're going to go to that other place. And not now, like, go oh, you beat your chest, this sucks now. But, and there are aspects of life that are very heavy. But to me, prayer has, has started to become an invitation to obviously walk through life in companionship with God, but also to see life moment by moment and to see people and to see the hand of God through a, through a completely different lens that if you're not aware of it. Like, it's all happening around you. But prayer is this invitation to say, no, 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 moment by moment, let me commune with you so you can see people, which is big right now, you know, so you can see people the way I see people, so that you can see life, so that you can see loss and uncertainty and fear you you can see so you're not just alone sort of wandering about in this world trying to figure out right side up from upside down but I can actually I can show you so it's it's actually flip-flop for me in the deconstruction it's become more less about like dear Jesus I pray that this will all work and and there's an aspect of that to it but it's much more about where are you what are you doing right now how do you how do you want me to react in this moment right now versus this list of things that that I was really good at kind of coming and and then leaving it and cuz I man I like I'm OCD I like my order yeah. but having it become this prayer is actually receiving something even has been massive for me yeah you want me to say something I can if, if you want if you've got it's something a, brewing we'll yeah well it. i think when it comes to prayer it feels obviously very intangible like you discussed um but um I often think of prayer as the foundation to relationship. You know, when I have when I talk to my wife, I, I talk to her about the good things that have taken place in my life mm-hmm. and the things that are I'm struggling with, and then the things that I desire, the dreams that I have. Well, I think that God desires that type of communication with us, and because He's not seen in 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 the tangible. Uh, as far as I want this coffee to move, he's not necessarily, he could, he's not necessarily going to take it from there to there. It it, it becomes, at, at times we let our unseen, uh, the unseen side of things become the obstacle. But what I find is, is and I, I, I wrote this, I actually had a, a, a New Year's resolution this year. One of the first times I've ever had it in the history of my marriage to my wife. And I wrote down that 2020 was going to be the year of prayer for me. Mm. And I remember writing it, and to be honest, for the first four or five months, maybe three, kind of cruised on like it was any other year. And then all of this stuff t- started taking place, all of this uncertainty. And I, find, I, I found in my life that all the things that we have been walking through and are walking through, that um, when we're fearful and when we're worried and when we're anxious, we should pray. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm trying to teach my boys that's why I'm trying to be that man for them because prayer has a way of releasing the incredibly heavy toll and, and burden off of our shoulders and casting onto someone's is, is far, far stronger. And uh, we need to do that uh, in our society. So when one of your cows gets pink eye, is that a prayer, prayable moment? Hey, you know what? My, pr- my kids pray for things to come back to life when they die. So uh, I, I, I'm, I'm all about that. But the reason why they get pink eyes is because the there's too many flies. And yep. I got to get rid of the uh, flies. Yeah, see, he knows. Yep. He knows all about pineapples and cows. He knows. <laughs> he knows. And as does Jeremy Camp does. Yep, he knows he as does. well. And he saved. Jesus yeah. saves. Um, social media for the two in my line of work. Um, 
you know, you have fans, you have people that don't like you. Um, and you have I, somebody who doesn't like oh, you. Oh, there's a group. They're out there. <laughs> but I is he had, allowed to say this? <laughs> uh, yeah, they're already gone. <laughs> <laughs> they're not listening. We sent them to the other the competition. Um, I got to a point where I was like almost contacting in Atlanta and Tampa or competing stations. I'm like, can you guys, can I buy some shirts from you guys of your station? And so anytime I get a complaint, you. We don't want you to leave, but if you do leave, I will even, there's other great options for you. Here's a shirt of our competing Look stage. at you. Wow. I didn't do okay. it. That oh, was a little too radical. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I'd be like, you guys, you don't like my music? Here's a Casting Crowds album. <laughs> yeah. Enjoy it. There's some great songs on there. Yeah. Um, but from social media standpoint, this past year, I had to walk away because I didn't like what I saw in myself with praise or with criticism. Yeah. Um, and so I simply tossed it to Alexa and said... Please represent me well. Don't say anything I wouldn't say, you know. Um, mm. So for you guys, do you, can you even be around that much praise, people that love you, and then even getting some, hey, why is that song, blah, blah, theology was, I don't like the, can you guys be involved in it for freaking country or do you have to step away from that? Man, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because it's so powerful. And uh, we've, we've often said that any, anything that has such great power for positivity and, and impact and connection can equally be the direct opposite. You know, the more powerful something can be for positive, the more powerful it can be for negative. You can't have one without the other. And I think social media is an example of that. And I've, I've had my moments um, of complete separation. Um, we're fortunate. I've found a balance. I think for me, I, I don't have many apps on my phone anymore because um, it was just too much. Uh, we have a, a, a great chap by the name of Mitchell Schlepper who's getting married this year, in fact. Um, and, and he does a really great job of kind of documenting. And we'll, we have a, a text thread. We kind of go through things together. Um, but I think it's something you got to kind of keep putting on. Speaking of prayer, yeah. you got to keep putting on the table. Um, because it's so easy to get when everything about these applications is designed to hook you in and play on an emotional state, which is really the conversations they're having is how do we make it so you're spending more time on this application. Being very, at least being very um, reverent in how you approach it, I think is important for us. And I think the other big thing is how how do we not add to the noise either of just t posting something for the sake of posting something, you know, is there, is there a thought or an idea or a conversation that there would be good for people to have a look into? And if not, let's just, just yeah. leave it. Yeah. Look, if your kids started wanting to be on. Whoa, stuff. that'll be the oh, day. Man, No, they haven't. And I don't look forward to that day. Yeah. They're unaware of uh, okay. all of all of those things. Usually if they see me on my phone, I, I try to say, hey, Dad's just got to do a little bit of work for, you know, 15, 20, 30 minutes or whatever. And that yeah. can be texts, emails, or, you know, cool going filter. through that. Uh, <laughs> right. but, oh, Luke's definitely that guy. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I belong on the social media world. Okay. I, I mean, we do through obviously music, but yeah. most of it comes now down to, and it's helpful, for, uh, as Joel explained, you know, if I've got an idea, I send a text to somebody, 
and they'll they'll go and post it okay. because you That's know about where I'm at. I do much. check comments though on occasion. On occasion, yeah, absolutely. particularly yeah. when we've released something, and it, it, you know it's a mixed bag, like you said. Yeah. You get some good, and then you get some just some some kind of ugly comments. But I do that because I think it's important to stay yeah, connected to to what people are feeling and thinking, and yeah. so yeah. But uh, again, it's 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 reverence is the word I use now. It's yeah. like approaching it reverently is important. Yeah, it's Pandora's box for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, let's end on this one. Raising kids in the '80s for my parents. When I look at it, I've had so many conversations with people. You guys grew up around the same yeah. time period I did whether it's Australia or Seattle for me. I was watching E.T. the other day uh, and just watching Elliot and his brother driving E.T. into the... I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't let my kids go get the mail without... (laughs) Take this phone down to the end of the driveway, call me when you get there. It's just a different Mm -hmm. world. And, And so I've had so many conversations. We had such a great, maybe one of the great happy generations of freedom to not lock your door all kinds of crazy stuff and now all of a sudden i'm thinking me and my wife have to raise children in this new bizarre world and um and i guess at this point in play into this as well just being a human on this planet who has a great dame who has a great dame you're raising a great dane in this crazy world (laughs) but (laughs) but the thought of would you say it like that (laughs) (laughs) like our parents had to put food on the table that's a worry it's built into by god to all parents but they didn't have to put up with the stuff from keeping your dane or child safe or even the social media side these are pressures on parents a lot of our listeners right now are raising young ones in a crazy world that yeah. our parents never had to endure. Yeah. Um, so I guess is that like, do you get nervous about that at all? Or it's, I guess there's nothing you can do about it. So what you're saying essentially is that we have it harder than our parents did. That's where I'm going. <laughs> yeah. I had to go through some world wars. I'm just messing with you. No, Hey, look, I think that, um, I think pain is relative, right? Yeah. So anytime somebody goes through some sort of pain, you can always find somebody who's gone through worse pain than what you might have. Yeah. But to you, it was a 10. And to our parents, what they went through, maybe struggling to provide yeah. uh, food, it was a 10 in their situation. Maybe we're sitting in a situation where that's not the struggle. But it, are, are my kids going to be obsessed with Instagram or Facebook maybe and what people say and how they're being bullied or how they're not being bullied or if they pop, are they popular or are they not? That's the pain yeah. that we have to live with. And I think, I mean, man, to say that I don't worry about it, are you kidding me? Yeah. I, I mean, I try to do my best to, you know, give up the reins to a degree. Yeah. But I, I, I remember hearing from somebody that said, you know, how do you raise, how do you raise your kids to, to, to follow Jesus? How do you raise them to love God? Yeah. And they basically said, well, your kids do as you do. So if you just tell them a bunch of things, they probably won't listen. But if you do it, they'll follow you. Yeah. They won't depart from the ways that you taught them to. And so for me, I think I've gone through a season, obviously being home a little bit over the last uh, you know, four or five months, is actually putting, putting my faith on display for my kids. Mm. You know, putting my, you know, so I, I try to get up in the morning before the day starts and I'm no saint, it's not very long, but I try to get up about 15, 20 minutes earlier. I try not to look at my phone before I get downstairs. And I have this one little section on the couch and there's a, you know, a side table there and it's got my Bible, a journal, and I, and I try to read. And I try to be up before the kids. Well, I have one little guy who kind of knows now it's a thing. 
And he wakes up uh, about 15 minutes after I do every single day. <laughs> and so he comes, he sits next to me, and he usually asks, hey, Dad, what are you, what are you doing? And I've got the Bible open there. And I say, yeah. man, Daddy's, Daddy's reading the Bible because Daddy, need, Daddy needs this in his soul. Yeah. He needs this for his day. He needs this to be a, a better Daddy. And he goes and gets his Bible. Uh. And he sits next to me. He can't read yet. He's five. <laughs> uh, and he looks at the pictures. And just Phoenix? Uh, yeah. And wow. so I just realized that um, he's doing as I had hoped, unbeknownst to me. Yeah. And so what we do is when I'm done, I say, hey, well, we're going to pray together. You're down here. Let's pray together. Mm. And so we take this moment and we pray. And I make it to where he, but he's got to pray for something. Yeah. You know, start putting language to his thoughts. Right. And so today he prayed, you know, for him to be a better brother to his, you know, his, his siblings. You know? so and so great. anyway, all I have to say is I've got great concerns, mm. but I think if I can teach my kids Jesus, that that trumps all of my concerns. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's what I hope to do. Yeah. Mm. Cool. That's, that's amazing. Let's wrap on this, Joel. The Christmas film, Little Drummer Boy, or what is the progress? Because last time we talked about this, it was pre-pandemic. And so <laughs> where is the Pandemic s- struck. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, um, a lot of really great uh, conversations continuing to, to happen. And um, actually, in some ways, more with what we're facing socially, racially, uh, this film and even songs like Together or uh, and whatnot has has kind of been pushed in the for- to the forefront of our minds. Are going. This is something that needs to be shared. And for those of you listening that that don't know much about it, we're working on a it's a um, a Christmas musical um, that's set during uh, the three Christmases of the Civil War called Drummer Boy about two brothers who end up on opposite side of the the the, the battlefield and a slave girl f- fighting for her freedom. And uh, we've written all the music, we've written the script, and uh, we're, we're in talks with Lionsgate and uh, Kingdom uh, Story Company about uh, when is the right time. Uh, but like large group gatherings, it's it's hard to put a bunch of people in front of a screen even right now just because of everything. So we're, we're kind of waiting, um, whether it'll be this year or beginning and next is when we'll go into production and okay. set a bit more of a stage after that for it. But we're, we're very eager to get it on the road. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, sorry, I forgot to ask you about um, about Together. Um, Kirk Franklin is on the song Together. Yeah. And there's an, somebody else on it. Tori Kelly. Tori Kelly. Oh, yeah. Um, how did this come to be where you got... <laughs> did you choose... You went out and sought those two to be on the song? Is that how it worked? We... Kind of just happened. It did. It was eerily natural. Yeah. Now, Together was a bit of an orphan of a song. You know, we'd written it kind of in the era of Burn the Ships... But we couldn't quite get it right. We didn't know exactly what it was for. We thought it maybe for this upcoming election. Um, I'm a relatively new American citizen. I've shared that with you before. And so it was kind of looking at it going, well, where do we find ourselves? And then we were in Canada March 12th. So if, if you remember, the, the pandemic really took grip of the West in that weekend. We'd done our two first shows of the year, basically. We would, we'd planned a, a, our first Canadian tour from coast to coast. We got two shows in, and, and then we shut the rest of it down, obviously. And after the second night, we'd been playing an unreleased version of the song live. And Luke walked off stage and looked at me and said, man, this is um, the time for, for, for the song. We need to finish it up. And fortunately, we'd already 
contacted Kirk and he had gone above and beyond. We'd, we connected with Kirk a few times through the years, but the, the, the most was we, at the Grammy Awards this last year, um, our categories were, we were all nominated and they were kind of sandwiched in between each other. And so he was fortunate to win, we were fortunate to win. And so as we were walking on and off stage, we were the first ones that each other saw. And about four days later, I called him at the end of January and I said, would you be open to being a part of this. And he said, yes, but can I bring my choir? Can I bring my band? And he wrote this whole, which in turn was my favorite part of the whole song. Yeah. And he wrote this, this whole uh, section. And then COVID-19 hit. Yeah. And Mariah and I are friends with, with Tori Kelly and her husband, Andre. And, and um, we actually sent them a video message. Uh, Tori had come to a show last year and she'd heard the song and said, hey, we, you know this song. And, 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 Mariah, my wife, had done sort of a mock vocal for Tori and said, would you be interested in singing us? Here's the track and had Kirk on it already. And she, within like two days, she'd sent back, she'd record it in her home studio and sent it back and, and put it out. And we kind of thought, okay, well, that, that, that was that. And then this whole other layer of, so you've got the, the, the physical separation and isolation and driving apart and social distancing of COVID-19. And then you've got this sort of emotional, um, social and racial potential separation. Um, and I think there's great reconciliation in the midst of it, but if we're not careful, there can be great separation. And so to have the, uh, the song kind of represent unity and you know two australian americans and a hispanic woman and an african-american man and a, a pair of gospel choirs singing on this song about coming together yeah. with all that we're facing in america and around the world just was uh we couldn't have there's no you can't plan this sort of thing this is just providence being gracious god yeah. being gracious to us as uh, as we part here, it's very difficult to plan. Hey, we'll see you in town. Or hey, when do you guys start writing ag again? Is, you got a lot of time on your hands now. So there's going to be so <laughs> many great songs coming out in the next year. Cause yeah, that's the daunting part. That's what everybody's been saying. Oh, you guys are going to write so many great songs. I'm like, well, in that case, uh, we haven't been doing that as much as we had hoped. We started yeah, writing I, Christmas songs. Yeah, so we're we're in the thick of writing a Christmas album. Okay, and uh, there will be two or three originals on there, but, uh, uh, you know, music is difficult and, and in a roundabout way, COVID has forced us to slow down, even though it's still been hurried at times, it's forced us to kind of take a, you know, take stock of who we want to be type of people. I mean, at this point, what else needs to be said? And if, and if everything's been said, then maybe somebody else who, whose voice needs to be a little bit louder than ours needs to come along. And so I, I, I think that just like social media, if you're going to say something, may it have hope, may it ring true, yeah. may it have a little light to it. And uh, I think for us, you know, we, we want to do the same with music. It needs to be purposeful. It needs to mean something. Or else there's other people that are far more gifted at doing this than we are that maybe their voices need to be accentuated a little bit more. And so we'll see, uh, we'll see how we go. Yep. Always appreciate the time. Love you, boys. Likewise, man. My best to your father. <laughs> <laughs> Always. He didn't oh, come yeah. by this oh, time. Yeah, JR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have a good chat. Yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I hope you enjoyed that. Joel Luke for King and Country. I'm telling you, he just about had me in tears talking about that moment of his uh, son coming down and watching him doing the stuff, you know, leading by example. 
with parenting, not just talking a big game, but, but putting it into practice. I'll remember that for the rest of my life. It was amazing. So let's talk about episode 10 of the JR Show podcast. Next week, she is the voice on one of the biggest worship songs in the past year. Hope Darst is going to be my guest. Now, she is an absolute firecracker. I'm telling you, she can light up a room. We're going to talk about the song Peace Be Still and talk about that transition between being a worship leader like she is and having a quote unquote hit song. If you subscribe to the JR Show podcast, you will get alerted when a new episode comes out. You can follow us on Instagram. And also, don't forget, if you like what you hear, we always appreciate the five stars. So subscribe, and we'll see you next week for Hope Darst right here on the JR Show podcast. Peace!